Bible handy and you want to be following along with us, you can be turning to Ruth and maybe even to uh, marking a place in Proverbs. We're going to look at Proverbs in just a few moments as some uh, introductory remarks, but Ruth and Proverbs, of course, Ruth comes right after Judges. We're going to be in Judges just a little bit, uh, but those are kind of the three places you'd want to be if you're going to be following along this afternoon. Uh, we appreciate the uh, attendance of all and the time we can spend together today. I know our numbers, knew our numbers would be down this afternoon. Many maybe traveled to visit or to be with family and wouldn't make it back, but we're thankful that you're here. Uh, and again, as we've said, thankful for our mothers and the time we can spend honoring them today. And uh, the lesson this afternoon is not necessarily geared towards mothers, uh, but it is maybe some more thoughts about women and women of the Bible uh, to encourage some of our ladies, but certainly for men, these characteristics we're going to talk about this afternoon are not only for women, but something that we can apply as well. Uh, I was looking for something to maybe connect to the lesson on mothers and uh, came across this article. It's about five years old now by our brother Neil Pollard, uh, who preaches in the Kentucky area, uh, and he had shared this title, and I thought the title struck me, and it might you as well, of being a Ruth in a Delilah world. We'll get into exactly what that means, but as we think about the Old Testament, we've already been emphasizing some of these things, that Israel had many spiritual highlights and they also had many spiritual lowlights through many centuries of Old Testament history. And if we think about everything that they went through, there may be no time that was worse. And that's not exactly a good thing to think about. But if you turn to the book of Ruth, you see the summary statement of this time at the actually at the end of the book of Judges. Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. The book of Judges concludes with such a... Uh, earth-shaking, shivering statement, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I don't know how often you've pieced together Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. I had an opportunity, I guess it was in the fall, last fall, to teach at the Greens Lake Road congregation at the Chattanooga School of uh, Preaching and Biblical Studies, and I was given the, the topic of Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. We've covered Joshua before and some lessons, as our young people did, for the Bible Bowl, but Judges is a pretty ugly, dark book when you really go piece by piece through it all. Many people remember Samson. Many people remember some of the other judges who, uh, judges like Gideon, who had a, a great moment that we think about and teach our children. But there is a lot of nasty, ugly stuff that's found in the book of Judges. And this summary statement really kind of hits home that this was probably one of the worst times in their history, the period of the, ju the judges. There was idolatry. There was sexual perversion. There was violence among God's people, and not only that, but when you really examine the book of Judges, those, some of those same things are even found in God's heroes, we might say. Not just with the weak people or the immoral people, but even some of God's heroes, God's people, deal with some of these same things. Now, as we think about Judges, and if you turn there to the end of Judges and the beginning of Ruth, notice from Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 1 that the story of Ruth takes place during the period of the Judges. It's not included together, but verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the day when the Judges ruled. So as we think about this period of the Judges, there may be no more two famous women than we think about Ruth and certainly Delilah. Now, 
I have already been reprimanded by the song leader to remember that the name Delilah is not bad. He said she might be here this afternoon, and don't you be bad-mouthing Delilah's all over the place. So I have to give the caveat that, yes, we understand. I told him there's nothing wrong with the name. There's only thing wrong with her actions, right? That's the caveat to begin with. And I, we joke about that, and he said that as he came in, and we were laughing. But it's true, certainly. Some people wear that name, and there's nothing wrong with the name. But all most of what Delilah did, all of her actions were bad. And so when we think about this, that's why we're going to emphasize the difference between these two women. They are as different as night and day. And when we mentioned this morning in Proverbs chapter 31, the virtuous woman, or we might even say the ideal woman, the Bible says that the ideal woman is precious. She is fruitful. She is hardworking, she is praiseworthy, and above all, she is spiritual. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 30. Let me ask you to go ahead and turn. You may have already turned to that section, but now turn back to Proverbs chapters 5, 6, and 7 for just a moment. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. You see, when we emphasize the spiritual woman, the ideal woman, we think about Proverbs 31. But have you ever noticed in chapters 5, 6, and 7 that the Bible, your Bible may call her the forbidden woman. And Delilah and Ruth are as different as people, these two women that we know that bear these names, as day and night, and as the ideal woman and the forbidden woman. Notice in chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, that she is initially alluring, right? She's initially drawing attention. We might even say attractive in one sense. She's initially alluring, but ultimately alarming, right? In the end, she is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Yes, alluring to begin, but alarming in the end. Chapter 6, verses 24 through 35, excuse me, remind us that she is a lightning rod of trouble. Wherever she goes, she attracts that kind of attention and that kind of trouble, and then in chapter 7, verses 5 through 20, and I'm trying to give you the big overlook here. We don't have time to go through each verse. But chapter 7 of Proverbs, verses 5 through 20, she is disloyal to her own home, and she is willing to wreck others' homes as well. And we go even later in chapter 7, verses 21 through the end of the chapter, 21 through 27, she is seductive. She is sensual, and her smoothness all paved the way for destruction, for deadliness. That is the forbidden woman that, that men should try to avoid in that sense because these women do exist. And certainly, as our encouragement to women this afternoon is, you should not be that kind of person, the ideal and the forbidden. God has blessed the church with great women today. He has. He simply has. In fact, women do much of the church's good works. You know, we know that we're not to sit down and line up and say men and women or person by person, and this is what all they do, and this is what all he does, and this is what all she does. But we do understand that whether it comes to the ability to teach or the ability to, to organize and plan or, or all the many different things that help make the church run, God has blessed the church with great women that do much many, most, whatever words you want to pick, of the church's good works. And for our lesson this afternoon, we might say that God has called Christian women to be Ruth's in a Delilah kind of world. We might say it this way, 
The difference between God's expectations and the world's expectations are as different as these two women were. Far apart, about as far as you can get. You know, sometimes in our society today, we look at Republican and Democrat, and we say those people could never, ever meet in the middle. They're as far apart as you get. And these women are certainly these two women that we're going to read about and examine and make four points, four application points about, are as different as they can be. And the world's expectations of what women should be and God's expectations of what women should be are sometimes that far apart as well. Excuse me. So what we'd like to do then the rest of our time together is examine four things that a woman can be, and again, even men too, that would help, that we can see in the life of uh, Ruth that would help us to be what God would want us to be. And the number one thing is she can be loyal. Ruth lived when the judges ruled. We've already mentioned that from Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 1. But it does not take long in those first five verses or so and even the rest of chapter 1, to see that she was different from her society. In fact, we read in verse number 5 that it was about 10 years, she lost Malon about 10 years after their wedding day. She lost her husband. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, encouraged her and her sister-in-law to return to Moab, while Orpah ultimately left And Ruth, when Orpah ultimately left, Ruth would not. And so we see, as we think about being loyal, we can examine these two women that Ruth was loyal to Naomi. Naomi said, you can go. Go and be with your people. But Ruth stayed loyal. She kept that loyal attitude that seemed to characterize her entire life. Not only was she loyal to Naomi, but she was also loyal to Boaz right? She eventually marries him in Ruth chapter 4. And we see all throughout this short book, very, very short book that we don't, you know, we don't have a lot extra about, doesn't go on and on, but just four short chapters. We can understand from this though that Ruth was loyal. But here's the thing. We might say Delilah was loyal as well, but Delilah was only loyal to, well, it's supposed to say Delilah. Delilah. uh, I don't know there. So, Didn't check this one, Travis. I checked this morning's when I put it up there, but I didn't check this afternoon. Delilah was only loyal to Delilah. That's just the way that it was. Do you remember in in Judges chapter 16, by the way, is where we find the story of Samson and Delilah. Uh, But we see there that she was decidedly loyal simply to herself. From the beginning, from the beginning of that account, you know, we remember certain things about their interactions together. Of course, what ultimately happens to Samson in the end. But from the beginning, she seemed a woman looking out only for herself. Now, I mentioned this morning about those people who are called influencers, those people who are on social media and and take all the pictures of themselves and post the good ones, the best ones, to look like you know they're accomplishing all these things and they're doing all these things. It seems like those, that kind of encouragement is only to be looking out for yourself. For women today to look out for number one. One of the lessons that we had this weekend at the Reconnect, the Preachers and Preachers Wives Retreat, was about living in an Instagram-filtered world. How, how can we be real when everyone around us, and even ourselves, sometimes have the temptation to simply only post and share the best? Or the pictures that are are filtered in that way. And we talked about what are some of the problems with that, with people who do that. 
especially in our marriages, again, as we were emphasizing that this weekend. And I said, my, the thought that came to my mind is, is, is filtering every picture and every interaction and only posting the best leads us to selfishness. Right? It's easy because, yes, some women may post about their husbands or a trip they took or their children. But it's also very enticing to simply just post about me and what I have going on. It's easier for today's woman or women today to be like this. After all, it's human nature, right? It's human nature to be selfish, to just look out for ourselves. But a godly woman will strive to be loyal. You don't have to turn over to it. We emphasize it this morning. But Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. She will be loyal to her family. She will be loyal to God. She will be loyal to her friends. This is a woman who is striving to be like Ruth. She will be loyal in her relationships. And be aware that such loyalty is not valued in a Delilah world. That's not what is valued there. God prizes that. God prizes faithfulness, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But in the world of, of all these, again, I just think about today, influencers and people who are, who are trying to make more for themselves, that's not it. Looking out for your family and for your children and for others is not going to be looked at in a favorable light. You need to be someone who is loyal. And this is certainly one that can apply to both women and men. All right, number two, she can be converted. One of the attributes we might say of Ruth that we should strive to follow in is that she can be converted. A woman in this good standing can be converted. So guess what? There's some parallels here again as we think about this word being used because Ruth and Delilah share at least one similarity and that is that Ruth was a Gentile and Delilah was a Gentile. Ruth was a Moabitess and Delilah a Philistine. So they're not naturally God's people by way of being a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are Gentiles. Both, though, also had a relationship with God's people. But here's the deal. Only one of them was converted. Delilah had a relationship with Samson, with God's people, but she was not converted. She never had a place for God in her life. But Ruth followed God even after her husband died. What an out, right? I mean, that's the out you need. I don't want to do this anymore. These are not my people. My husband's dead. I'm going to go back to living the way I want to live. She didn't do that. She was converted. A Gentile who was converted. Delilah was a Gentile, but she never gave place for God. Question for us. Are there husbands or wives sometimes who were baptized and... Can they be baptized even going through certain, you know, external kind of motions of involvement? Can a husband or a wife do that without being fully converted to God? And the answer, of course, is absolutely. We say quite often sometimes, we've got water, we can make anybody wet, right? We can make anybody, we can dunk them in the water and we can make them wet, but they are not truly converted. And so, yes, that happens to wives. Yes, that happens to husbands. And at times, a person's faithfulness seems tied to their mate more than their maker. Right? Sometimes someone says, well, he wants me to do it. She wants me to do it. So their tie, their faithfulness is tied to their mate and not their maker. That's the kind of person who's, when they're in Ruth's position, the spouse dies and they say, I think I'm good. I'll just go ahead and hang it up now because I was never really converted. 
an absence of conviction about putting God first and then not having that commitment and dedication to Christ, when children see that in their mother, they can tell. She might be a Christian woman, but she was never really converted. It is not what a person says, claims, promises, or intends, but what spelled the difference between Ruth and Delilah were their fruits, what, what they showed, their actions. Even as we said a moment ago, kind of jokingly, but there's nothing wrong with a name. It's about our actions. And that's where we see the difference. Because they knew God's people and they knew of God. And as Gentiles, only one was converted. All right, number three. Number three. She can be worthy. She can be worthy. In one sense, no one is worthy of God's love, right? No one is worthy of God's mercy or his grace or his blessings. We cannot do enough. I think about the congregation here and so many people that we love dearly. So many good people. But even being good people, and we strive to be that, we are in one sense not worthy of God's love and his grace and his blessings. Yet, we are all to live in a way worthy of the name of the name that we wear. James chapter 2 and verse number 7. James 2, 7. Paul would talk about it in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10 about walking worthy of the Lord in deed. D-E-E-D, in deed. Is that the way we're living, walking worthily? There's a call from Paul to these Christians in the New Testament to constantly do that. It's a walk. It's a journey. And our walk should be a worthy walk. In Ruth chapter 3, Ruth chapter 3 and verse number 11, we see the, the phrase, we see the description, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know, notice, that you are a virtuous woman. Now, this is an interaction between Ruth and Boaz. Naomi, the chapter begins with Naomi encouraging her to go to Boaz. And so as she does, they have this kind of back and forth. And he says at the conclusion of verse 11, they know, the town knows that you are a virtuous woman. And the word that's used here, the, the virtuous or worthy woman means admirable or of noble character. I hope that that's what our women strive to be. You may know other people from the community that you look at and say that is a worthy, admirable, noble woman. And if we're telling the truth, we also may know some people that we look at and say she's not that at all. She doesn't live her life that way. But this was Ruth, worthy, admirable, noble character, and everybody knew it. You saw her walking by and you understood who she was. How would a person describe Delilah, though? Go back to Judges chapter 16 for just a moment. And in Judges chapter 16 and verse 5, we see that she was an enticer and a lover of money. Do you remember that from the story? Verse 5 ends with the fact that they offered her money. This was not just for her to gain a great name or because she hated Samson, but they offered her money to do this. And in chapter 16 and verse 15, she used her affection to manipulate him, right? She says to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. An enticer, 
lover of money, using her affection, her love to manipulate. And what did she do? She finally weakened the man in her life. If we were to try to describe a word, we've used a word here of worthy. We might say as we think about Delilah that she was probably worrisome, right? Not worthy. So are you worthy or worrisome? Worrisome seems more appropriate here than worthy. And understand that our society, the people around us, seem to think that a Delilah mentality is the only one worthwhile. The world encourages using rather than upholding people. I like the way that was said. The world encourages using people rather than upholding people. When someone is in need, do they consider coming to you? Because you will uphold them, you will help them, or do they think of you as someone who only uses and takes and takes and takes? The world encourages using people, possessions. They encourage possessions over people. They see manipulation as smart. A person gets to the top, how do they get there? Well, they may have had to manipulate a lot of people. They may have, we, as we say, climbed the corporate ladder by stepping on people and manipulated their emotions or their thoughts. But it's okay. That's smart. That's not sinful. It's not sinful to manipulate. And, of course, they hurt others only to promote their self. Ruth's character, Ruth, Ruth's character distinguished her as God's follower. Naomi, Boaz, and even the people of Bethlehem knew that. And there was no debating that. And when we think about not only Delilah in Judges 16, but a world that seems to follow that mentality, it's the opposite. We will lift people up who do awful things because they're just simply looking out for themselves, and that's what I should do is try to take care of myself. If we want to be like Ruth, we should be worthy. Fourth and finally this afternoon, she can be confident. She can be confident. I don't know what you think of when you think of that word, confident. Some people probably get a bad idea in their mind. I didn't mean overconfident. But Ruth had a particular kind of confidence. She knew that God would provide for her needs. That's the same way we should feel. Kyle Butt has talked about it in our Wednesday night class, the videos, and we've talked about it in our stewardship class, that God will provide. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In that same context, he talks about God providing for the birds of the air. If he cares for them, he's going to care for you. He's going to care for me. We don't have to walk around being overconfident or braggadocious or too prideful, but it should allow us to have some confidence. Ruth had that. Delilah tried every cutthroat, devious method that she could find to get her way. The opposite of being confident. We see a beautiful example of God's providence in the book of Ruth, right? And, and God's care for Ruth and her family. She lost a husband. She endured a famine. And she lived, Ruth lived at a time when women had few rights. Yet her trust in God, in a God that is more powerful than mankind, carried her through these trials. I don't know if you've turned away, but in Ruth chapter 2, verses 11 and 12... Boaz answered and is talking about these things, some of the things she's been through. And in verse 12, the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for 
refuge. God is going to carry her through these trials. She did not have to get her way by doing it her way. Being a Ruth in a Delilah world requires taking refuge under God's wings, as Boaz so aptly said right here. Trusting God, trusting him to help cope and conquer. I don't need to tell you, you know, but if a woman takes these four characteristics and applies them to their lives by the world, she's going to be put down here at the bottom. She's going to be stepped on and stepped over and looked down upon. So we're going to have to trust in God. We're going to have to allow him and his strength to help us through the troubles that we face. Delilah lived and probably died with her confidence in the wrong place. Not only in the money, but also in these men and certainly in herself. It was on her wiles. It was on her schemes. And Ruth was the exact opposite, and she wound up the true winner. Look what happens to Christian women who dare to be Ruth's. Think about the Bible and what you know about the Bible. Ruth sought no grandeur. She didn't strive to be the top woman of the community or of Bethlehem or, or any of these things to try to seek more attention. Instead, she decided to be a servant. This is a, a good challenge. I know you've probably read Ruth many times before, but if you're looking for something to read and a little bit of homework from today and the lessons we've thought about, go home and remind yourself about who Ruth really was and what was her place here. Even though she sought no grandeur and she only sought to be a servant, God allowed her to be David's great-grandmother and a part of a lineage that eventually produced God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, in verse number 5, we find the name Ruth. Because though she was a Gentile, though she was a Moabitess, though she suffered so many terrible things, God allowed her to be in the lineage of Christ. And we know that God will use those who choose to be Ruth's in this Delilah kind of world. Loyal, converted, worthy, and even confident. And we know not in that bad kind of way, but in the way that a Christian should have confidence in God. Confidence knowing that even though we struggle through many of these things, he is faithful. He will be faithful to us. And if we are faithful to him, we can have that home in heaven. And we're thankful for both of the examples of these two women. Yes, we're thankful, of course, even for Delilah's because she tells us a way uh, in which we should not be, both as women, certainly, but even as men. I hope that you could take these few short thoughts here and apply them to what we've talked about already today, thinking about the person that God wants us to be. We see that all throughout Scripture. He wants someone who is found faithful. And as we conclude this lesson we sing the song that's been selected here in just a moment, Are You Faithful? If you're here this afternoon, you've never put on Christ in baptism, we sing to encourage you. You would be found faithful in the first place by becoming a child of God, putting on Christ in baptism so that he can wash away your sins and the Lord can add you to his church. But maybe you have examined yourself. Maybe it's something that's been said today. Maybe it's just something you've been thinking about, you've been putting off and putting off, realizing that you've been struggling and you've not been faithful to God. Brother or sister, we're thankful for this opportunity to sing to encourage you as well, that you would come back to him, that you would be found faithful so that you don't have to leave with fear in your mind about what would happen if your life were to be required this day or in the next couple of days or if the Lord were to return. 
We can sing with confidence. We can have that confidence about a home in heaven because we are faithful. And if you're struggling or if you've never become a child of God, we sing to encourage you even now as we stand together and as we